This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Years ago, Jen and I received a phone call that maybe you can relate to. It was a phone call from her mom and dad who were vacationing in Hawaii. I remember it so clearly that they were there, they're three hours ahead, they call us back, and they talk about how, you know, how warm the weather is, and that they're about ready to go out to dinner, and we're at home in the rainy Washington weather, and in that moment, I was thinking the same thing, Jen was thinking the same thing, man, like, first of all, thank you for the phone call, and number two, I wish I could be there. Have you ever had that happen? Or you see a post from somebody on Facebook and they're vacationing somewhere and your thought is, I'm here and I want to be there, right? Have you had that experience? I have. Um, Maybe if we could just like kind of frame in our mind the the Apostle Paul uh, posting something on Facebook during that day or sending you, you a text telling you where he is. I wonder how many of us would go like, hey, I wish I were there. Because he's, he's coming from prison, right? He's coming from prison. I don't think one of us would say that. But yet what we read in Paul's prison letters is his joy, his purpose in life was, was to see others come to, come to faith and to advance the gospel mission. This is what drove him. So in this series, if you're brand new, Locked Up, Not Out, we've been looking at Paul's prison letters. And there, there are four. So um, we walk through Ephesians, we walk through Philippians, we're launching into Colossians today, and then Philemon is yet, yet to come. There are, are the prison letters or what some often call um, captivity letters. And so that's what we're looking at today. So we're, we're diving this first week into Colossians. So I hope that you've been there. If not, start reading. It's a short, short book. But let me give you a little background today. Colossae was a small city in an area now known as Turkey. At one time, um, this city um, was significant. It was important. And it was growing and it was pros- prosperous. But then there was a change that happened and the commercial patterns, and, uh, and these, and it led to its, its decline. The church was planted by a guy that you probably read about, Epaphras, um, and he goes and he receives, I'll just call it pastoral advice um, from Paul, who had never visited the church, but this, this that Epaphras was asking for, this advice, was absolutely needed. There was a word that was needed to the church in Colossae, and Paul delivers that. And it's a word for you and me today. And we know that because all Scripture is given, right? Everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture is given for our, our benefit. Why was it needed? Because there were influences, heretical influences that the church was facing that day. And there are a number, but, but, but perhaps the most dangerous that Paul deals with, what was in his mind, was the Christology. And so some are going like, okay, what, what's the Christology? Well, let me give you the definition because Christology is simple. It's just the study of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it answers some critical questions. Number one, who is Jesus Christ? If you were to ask that question in your workplace or wherever you are in your world today, what do you think the answer would be? Well, you're going to get, well, he's a really good guy, right? 
He's a really good guy. I mean, Jesus was a, a, a good teacher. He was, he was a prophet. And we hear that from nearly every major religion. He's a great guy. He's a good teacher. He was a, a, a prophet. But the Bible teaches us far more, yes? Because Jesus is the Son of God. That is, he is God made manifest in human form. That's who Jesus Christ was, the Son of God. Number two, how can Jesus be both God and man at the same time? Have you tried to explain that to somebody? How can that happen? What is referred to as a, as a hypostatic union and describes how God the Son, Jesus Christ, took on human nature, yet remained fully God at the same time. And that's critical for us to understand. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1 verse 14, a few verses down. And the word became flesh and did what? Dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And it answers, thirdly, why is the virgin birth so important? Jesus had no sin nature. Jesus was sinless. He was sinless. It had to be. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, he is the king of, he is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless. This is Jesus. Unstained by sin, he has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in the heavens. You see, where the Levitical priesthood that we read about was temporary, it was flawed. Christ's priesthood is sinless, perfect, and eternal. And we talk about that because what you're hearing today is teaching that is unbiblical that Jesus had a sin nature. It's not true. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It was absolutely critical to understand. There were those who believed that Jesus was not alone sufficient for salvation. Now, we've been talking about that for a number of weeks. These are those who added added works. They wanted to include philosophy, worldly philosophy, traditions, angelic worship, and the list list goes on. And insisted that Jewish laws would be followed. It wasn't enough to receive Jesus by faith. You had to do something. And so Paul writes these words in the second chapter of Colossians, verse number eight. He says this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Now that's an important word for you and me today, isn't it? Because you're hearing all kinds of things out in the world today. And Paul says like, you be on guard for that right there. Don't let anyone take you captive or capture your thinking or move you away from the truth of the word. Philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so let's dive into Colossians chapter 1, just the first few verses for just a moment, coming up on the screen as well, verses 1 through 5. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, everybody say holy because we're going to come back to that in just a moment, holy. Um, we are writing to the, people, the holy people of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you 
and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good, good news. And for the next few moments, I want to focus on, on three things, three words that are anchored in the good news, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question just for you to mull over for a, for a moment. If someone were to ask you, um, what's good news mean? What's good news? And why is it such good news? What, what would you say? What would we say? Why is the gospel the good news? Why do we as a faith community spend so much energy and we talk about the absolute call to be people who share the good news of the gospel, who make disciples. Why is it good news? It's good news because it's the message of God's deep love for mankind and his redemption of sinful humanity, that God loved us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice for our sin. And it's good news. It's good news because you and I were born into sin and the gospel saves us. It redeems us. So this gospel does a number of things. Number one, it changes lives. New Testament authors understood humanity as being enslaved to the powers of sin and death. And that it was Christ who, by offering himself on the cross as the Passover lamb, paid the ransom price for their freedom. The great redeemer has entered human history and ransom his beloved people just as he promised. And why go to these desperate measures? For God so loved the world. Thomas Fismeyer. You didn't know I was going to use a quote from your book, did you, Tom? Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> in whatever became of love. That's exactly right. God so loved the world that he did this. It's good news. The gospel changes lives. I'd like for you to just take a moment. Just take a moment and think back to the day when you received Jesus. Was your life changed? Yeah, mine was. And I was, I was like nine years old. But that moment has been seared in my mind. My life was changing. Your life was changed. It's the good news of the gospel. The gospel changes lives. That's why we spend so much in Royal Family Kids Camp, because the gospel changes lives. That's why we take this message around the world. That's why we are called to live out this gospel story in our lives, because it changes lives. It impacts people. Number two, it changes the world. The gospel unites people from every race, every culture, every class of people, no matter, no matter, and is why we experience such huge attacks against the gospel. Are you with me? Where, where the world seeks to divide, the gospel unites. The gospel unites people. Number three, this good news, this gospel story is communicated through faithful followers of Jesus. It's the call to make disciples. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. It's called the Great, the great Commission. It's our marching orders. It's what you or I are to do, that in our going, in our everyday living, in everything that we do, we are to, we are to share this gospel story. We are to make disciples in all the world. This good news story is communicated through simple people like you and me. When we just tell people that this is what Jesus has done in my life, this is the new person that I am because of what Jesus has done. We get to do this and we get to do it together. Now there are three words I kind of highlighted on, on, on the scripture that together define who we are and, and our future as followers of Jesus. And as I, as I sat there and just uh, um, focused on, the, on Colossians 1 this past week, and all of a sudden I thought, well, there's the word holy, there's the word hope, and there's the word heaven. So they all start with the letter H. I thought that was kind of creative. Come on. Holy, hope, and heaven. So I want to look at, at those, those three words. So first, the word, the word holy. Now, I study from the ESV uh, version typically, and so you'll find the word, the word saints there as well. They, they mean the same. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae. As holy people, they were chosen and set apart for God. As a follower of Jesus, that's you, and that's me. We are saints, we are holy, we are set apart. We are separated from the world and concentrated, consecrated to God. That means your teen who has received Jesus is a saint. I'm going to tell them that because at 1030 they're all going to be sitting up there and they're all going to go out going like, hey, I'm a saint, I'm a saint. It's true. It's true. As holy people, we're chosen and set apart for, for God. Here's what it, what it really means. Are you ready? We belong to God. We belong, we belong to him. We belong to God. Have you stopped and thought about that lately? I mean, it's so easy, isn't it, with all that's going on in, in life, all that's going on in the world, to kind of get away from that truth, from that, from that reality. Now, Scripture um, doesn't use the word saints as a category of people and, uh, that are super spiritual and like we never make mistakes. That's, that's not what's being said here. Every one of us fail in some form or fashion. But we belong to God. Christians, those who have received Christ as Lord, are saints by virtue of our connection with Jesus Christ and this position is immediate. So when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you may have knelt at an altar or stairs like this. My story at, at a camp, your story maybe in a car, wherever it was, when you declared him as Lord and Savior, you were immediately set apart. This position is immediate. The moment we receive Christ as Lord, we become his. Set apart, 
as a brand new person. And the reason I say that is because of this, because I know the enemy comes along, he goes like, well, you know how bad you were? You know what your former life was like? <laughs> oh, you've got to do more. That is, that is not true, and it's attack from the enemy. The moment we, by faith, receive him, we are his. We're a brand new person, and the result is a brand new desire to become like Christ every day, to walk in his wisdom ways, to live a life of obedience, a desire that comes through faith in Jesus. So when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he implants into you a brand new desire to become like him. And that's why Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, so walk in him. You're a brand new person. So walk in the reality of who you are. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. So you walk this way. You walk as a brand new person, the person whom you are. And then Paul prays this. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So this faith journey is just taking the next step and becoming more like him. So this word holy or saint is both a description of who we are, we're set apart, and our calling to be more like him. So as a follower of Jesus, our passion is to walk in a manner that reflects who Jesus is. Now, I have three declarations for you, but here's what I'm going to do for you, okay? So I know I, I watch people, and let's bring up, the, bring up that, that number right now. Can we do that, Matt? So let's do that. So here's what I want you to do. I, I watch people taking pictures of the screen and typing stuff out, but you don't need to do that for these three declarations. I just want you to take, if you, like, if you're ready to nod off or something because you had a big breakfast, don't yet. Okay, I want you to get these three and online. All you need to do is text in the word saved to that number right there, and you will get them all back. So you, you don't have to write anything down. How's that? Give Tom a hand. Okay. Yeah. All right. So number one, here's the first declaration. I am saved. Everybody say it. I am saved. I am his. I am saved. I am his. Just listen to this. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the first declaration. I am saved. I am his. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The enemy will come along and say, you know what? Mm, not quite so fast. Enemy will come along and go, no, 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 no. It's not that easy. But it is. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, believes in him, shall be saved. So our first declaration is this. I am saved. Will you say it with me? I am saved. I am his. 
The second is this, I am being saved. I am being saved. Every day, I am becoming more like him. How is that possible? Because the Spirit enables us to walk in a way that's worthy of him, that reflects Jesus. I am being saved. Every day, I am becoming more like him. As we allow the Spirit to work in us and through us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So every day, I'm becoming more like Christ in my walk, in my life. So I am saved. I am being saved. But guess what? I will be saved. I will be saved. Will you say it with me? I will be saved eternity with him. How many have that hope? I will be saved. I'm saved. I'm being saved. And I, I will be saved. I'll be in eternity with him. So this, this morning as I was kind of, kind of reviewing my, my notes here, I just wrote down, look, we, we experienced this immediate position. I'm saved. This daily process of being saved, and then this future promise that is yours and mine as a follower of Jesus. Let, let, let me summarize it this way. The one who has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son is who I live for and seek daily to become like. You and I are brand new people, and we have a hope. What is our hope as followers of Jesus? That's the second word. So holy hope. Our hope is a favorite theme, or hope is a favorite theme of, of both Paul and Peter. In fact, in Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he calls it a living hope. So this hope is living. Blessed be the God of our, uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, saved, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Someone shared it this way. Faith is a soul looking upward to God. We receive him. Love looks outward to others because we're going to take this gospel story, this good news story, to others. Hope looks forward to the future. That is when this life is done, whenever that is, we have a future in eternity with him. The Greek term for hope simply means this. It's, a, it's an eager, confident expectation. Eager, confident expectation. I've shared with you, and so many of you have, have blessed Jen and me in, in the recent passing of, of her mother. Um, but in her final days, she lived with this, and that's all she talked about. And you have stories like that too, don't you? I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see former family members and friends who have passed on. It's an eager, confident expectation. It's not one that says, I dread dying. In fact, Paul says, look, to live is Christ, but to die is gain, right? It's eager and it's confident. This living hope, or as Paul in Colossians states it, the hope laid up for you in heaven is contrasted with the dead hope of the world. The world has nothing to offer. Nothing. 
Our living hope is alive and as a result produces a confident expectation of what is ahead for every genuine follower of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you've committed your life to him. That's your, that's your hope. Heaven is your hope. You have a hope. I have a hope. Living hope is anchored in the past. Jesus rose from the dead. Living hope continues in the present. Jesus is alive. And living hope points to the future. Jesus promises eternal life. Have you ever found yourself going like, I can't wait for that moment. And some of us have prayed, come now, Lord. I am ready now. Well, that's the second word. The, the last one is heaven. That's the third age. We don't know a lot of things for sure. Um, but, but we do know a few things, don't we? And two things we do know for sure. Number one, we are all going to die. Welcome to church. <laughs> Number two, we are not dead yet. Welcome to church. We're all going to die. We're, we're, we're not dead yet. So we're all in a position to consider where we will live eternally when this life concludes. Because you never stop living. Do you know that? You never stop living. You just go from this human existence to eternity somewhere. I just say it this way. Heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell are real. Heaven is our hope for every believer. But hell is real. Heaven is a real place where genuine followers of Jesus will spend eternity. Heaven is not a myth, but a place prepared for those who make Jesus Lord. And depending upon your perfect day, so I would just say yesterday, the sun is shining. It's, what, 75 or something like that. That's the perfect day. Add, for me, add a little humidity, and I'm there. Think of the most perfect day that you can. Life on the new earth will be far more. The most ordinary moment on the new earth will be far more than we could ever imagine. That's what's in store for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Heaven. That's, that's eternity. A.W. Tozer says this, that church is constantly being tempted to accept this world as her home. But if she is wise, she will consider that she stands in the valley between the mountain peaks of eternity past and eternity to come. The past is gone forever and the present is passing as swift as a shadow on the sundial of Ahaz. Even if the earth should continue a million years, not one of us could stay to enjoy it. We do well to think of what he calls the long tomorrow. And that's eternity. Wayne Grudem, who is a theologian, says this, Christians often talk about living with God in heaven forever. But in fact, the biblical teaching is richer than that. It tells us that there will be new heavens and a new earth, an entirely renewed creation, and we will live with God there. Two more. John Piper, God promises that the glory of his people will demand a glorious creation to live in. So when God makes all things new, 
He makes us new spiritually and morally. He makes us new physically, amen? Amen. And when he makes the whole creation new so that our environment fits our perfected spirits and bodies, everything is brand new. You're going to get a new body. Somebody say, you know, look at your neighbor and go, I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Randy Alcorn, he promises a new earth. If the word earth in this phrase means anything, it means that we can expect to find earthly things there, including the atmosphere, mountains, water, trees, people, houses, even cities, buildings, and streets. But we know it's all brand new. It's all recreated. I've said this before, and if you've been around Gateway for a while, you can hear it. And I'll keep on talking about this, because it's true. But God is, God is both inclusive and exclusive. He wants this life for you. He wants you. He wants me. He wants everyone to be in eternity with him. But he's, it's also exclusive. The invitation to an eternity is for all. His son Jesus died for the whole world. That's you and me. And I say it this way. He did it one person at a time. That's inclusive. It's for everybody. But the Bible also teaches that there's only one way to have a relationship with him. And that's through his son Jesus. In other words, there's, there's only one way. And that's exclusive. He invites us to come to him in faith as a child trusting him through his son, Jesus. Inclusive, Jesus died for all. Are you thankful for that? I am. Exclusive, Jesus is the only way to the Father and eternal life with him. You're going to hear a lot of things out in the world today. That there are many ways up the mountain. There are not. That's not biblical. There's one way to the Father, and that's through his son, Jesus If this sounds like a salvation message to you today, guess what? It is. And so I I think that my passion today is for so many of us to just stop and go, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for what you've done. I got a brand new hope. I'm a brand new person. I have a brand new eternity. But my passion today is also for those of you who have maybe never taken that step to a brand new life in Jesus and maybe you're sitting at home and maybe you just landed on gateway for whatever reason. Maybe you're here. Maybe they'll be at the 1030. I don't know. But I want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. And uh, so we, team, years ago, wrote, wrote a prayer. And I, I've said, like, these aren't magic words. that You got to say it right in this order, or it doesn't work. <laughs> but, but it is a prayer of, of salvation. It says, Jesus, I need you. And we're going to read it together. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to read it with me. And then I have a word that you can text in if you want the prayer and I, I, pray, I pray that you do that it will help you maybe even share the gospel story and to lead someone to Christ but I, I'm just going to ask us to stand right now can we do that and I, I like for us all to pray this prayer now maybe you've prayed it that's, that's fine but you don't know if your neighbor has 
And so some of us, many of us perhaps, will pray it as, as a prayer of thanks and affirmation. Some of us maybe for the very, very first time. And so would you join me in praying this? Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for forgiving my sins. I give you my life and my heart. I receive you as my Savior and Lord, the one I will follow from here on out. I want you to guide my life and decisions. I ask you to take control of my life. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Brand new people, brand new hope, brand new story. Now I know that some of us have been in this journey for a very, very long time. But what if we prayed this, God, could you just renew the passion um, for lost people? To go from this place, to, to walk um, um, committed to that call to go out and make disciples. It begins with the gospel story. Would you just reignite that passion in my life? And would you open the door to someone this week to share the good news story of what you have done for me? I will guarantee that Jesus loves people so much that he would do that very, very thing. He will. So, Father, I thank you today for all that you've done. I, th I thank you for a brand new hope. I thank you for a brand new eternity. I thank you for a brand new life. And together we say thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. There's a word on the screen right over there. It's fine. Yeah. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time or, or maybe you just, you go like, I just need some help walking this thing out. Would you just text today? To that same number that you've been hearing about a lot. We're going to leave that on the screen and uh, for just a moment there. So uh, text today to 360-505-4636 or info is the word and uh, we'll help one another because we believe that we do this life together. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. Oh
You.